The real estate market is booming. Whether you look in the suburbs or the city, Chicago continues to expand, creating incredible opportunities for those in the know. We'll connect with Chicago's real estate moguls to bring you the wisdom and expertise to help make your next real estate move a lucrative one on the Real Estate Mogul Podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Real Estate Mogul Podcast on the face of Chicago business. Today, I'm joined by managing partner of Third City Properties, John Womack. John, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks, Tony. This is uh, it's going to be fun because you are quite the entrepreneur, sir. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> so tell me about what you do because, um, you know, for people tuning in, obviously, you think of real estate. Um, I mean, a lot of things come to mind for me, but it's very different in terms of what you do in the real estate market, correct? Yeah. I mean, I'm a broker, but I'm primarily investing in and managing multifamily and some mixed-use property on the northwest side of Chicago um, and a few years ago, I created a management company called Third City Properties, and that's primarily what I do is manage these properties. We're also out looking for new properties all the time, um, but I don't do third-party management, and I'm not really seeking clients to help them transact to buy or sell a home. For sure. <clears throat> now, you know, I, I think I mentioned to you, like my brother-in-law, <clears throat> is it is it come across the kind of chop? Uh, it's okay. Okay. Um, oops, sorry. Sorry. I think I mentioned to you my brother-in-law. He he does a lot of investing, um, and, and you know he didn't he doesn't have his his a company in terms of like the management property aspect of it. Why did you choose to go into it from that perspective as opposed to just um, you know buying the property, being the landlord, and, and kind of approaching it just from a landlord to tenant relationship? Yeah, I mean, going back a little bit. So my background was in consulting, and I worked for sixteen years in process and technology, IT kind of consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, corporate world wasn't really where I wanted to spend the rest of my life. And I was looking for a little more freedom and went down the entrepreneurial route. So I went into it, dipping my toes in the waters, buying the first investment property seemed to go well, buying the second property, and then decided I got enough comfort and confidence that this would make sense. And this is what I want to make a career out of. Gotcha. So with that in mind, continuing to buy properties and gradually growing the portfolio, but at a managed pace so we could build the infrastructure, build the software, build the team, um, is how I wanted to go about doing it. Now, how many years did you do it where you were still working at corporate America? I guess from the time that you bought your first property until you quit your job, how many years uh, had that been? So my wife and I had moved out of an apartment and then ended up renting it out or condo and rented it out. So we kind of became landlords over time. Um, but in seriousness, it was the summer of 2016. I took a five month leave of absence Mm. from Chase bank, um, and decided I would try it out. That's when I bought the first investment property. That's when I got my real estate license. And then I decided not to go back after the leave of absence and continued to kind of go all in. So took the plunge at that point. Um, but after having a chance to try it out. So if it didn't work out, I always had that back backup plan to go back to my job. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, what, I know we talked, you spent 16 years in corporate. Right. That's a long time. And, and, but it, right. and one of the things you'd mentioned is that you kind of felt burned out by it, right? Yeah, burned out. Uh, I felt like I was stuck in a box. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't necessarily pursue the things that I wanted to pursue. I had my job description. I need to stick within that. Different, different jobs that I had over time were better than others. The last one I had at Chase Bank was absolutely the worst <laughs> and that I have Chase Bank to thank for the plunge that I took yeah. and it was uh, very motivating for me to do something different and um, 
But the great thing about having worked in the corporate world for 16 years was that I learned how to manage a budget, manage under time pressures, work with a lot of different people at a lot of different levels from a lot of different locations. Um, and all those skills prepare you to go into real estate where you get a new surprise every day. Um, and so I, you know, I think it's a great track for a lot of people to, to take and start out in a career with, in the corporate world, developing that professionalism before going into real estate. Yeah, it's so true. <clears throat> um, you see it all the time where, you know, people who don't have that experience try to do something and had they had it, it would much different outcome, right? Right. Exactly. Now, third city properties, Chicago, obviously, but you're not originally from Chicago and you're not just limited to, uh, your portfolio is not just in Chicago, right? Right. So where, where are you from originally? I grew up in Oklahoma, uh, mostly in Tulsa, Oklahoma, yeah, yeah. half a million people. So it's a big city. And then when I was 12, my family moved to Menominee, Wisconsin, yeah. a small town of about 15,000 people in western Wisconsin. And that move was pretty defining for me. I mean, my whole life was in Oklahoma. I played soccer. That was my main thing. And we moved to a town that didn't have a soccer program, uh, um, totally different climate, you know, different people. Um, had to learn how to adapt to that. It was all about whether you were a Vikings fan or a Packers fan. Uh -huh. And so I was trying to figure that out. Uh, Packers in the end. <laughs> and then um, I went to college back in Oklahoma at Oklahoma State University and then continued to move quite a bit after that. So my first job was in uh, Denver. I was there for three years on an assignment and then to Houston, Calgary, met my wife in that project at in Denver. Um, she decided to move to the Netherlands for an MBA in 2003 and the netherlands yeah wow. yeah so she she did a 15-month program there and then got a job offer from a dutch bank abn amro in, yeah. the, in amsterdam yeah. so i happily quit my job and moved over to to find something there i thought about going into a graduate program like in international relations but then in the end decided to continue with the consulting route um but the different moves you know that move from oklahoma to wisconsin prepared me to adapt to all these other locations that we went to. We were in Amsterdam for five years. We moved to Dubai for a short period, about a year and a half, Brussels for a year and a half, had our daughter, Dara, who's now 10 years old. Mm -hmm. um, and each of those experiences, you know, it was fun, but I learned something along the way. And when we decided to move back to the US, we wanted a place not on either coast, not in Oklahoma or Texas where she's from. And I have family here in Chicago, and so it was a, a logical place, and it's a great city. We'd always come to visit my sister. Uh, has so much to offer. It'd be easy for us to find jobs, great transportation. And so uh, we moved here in 2013 and um, continued on with the corporate track. And then, no worries. Um, I'm not sure where I was going with this. No, it's okay. It's okay. okay. Um, you know, and, and so... I mean, traveling a lot, it seemed like you, I guess, found an appreciation not only, you know, for the travel itself, but also ha having properties in those <laughs> in those respective cities, right? Right. So really the first property we bought was in Amsterdam. Uh, fortunately, the business climate there is quite regulated because we did not know what we were doing. And that allowed us to be safe in that <laughs> transaction. Um, but we bought our first condo there. We moved away to Dubai and Brussels and then came back. And with our daughter with us, we needed a bigger space. So we bought a condo across the street and we were renting out the, the first one the whole time. And that was our entry point into real estate, really. Um, we did not 
understand Dutch to read the contract. We didn't understand the loan. We did not understand a lot of things, but we, we gradually figured it out. Um, and so I always had that in the back of my mind, the idea of expanding that portfolio mm-hmm. and actually making a more income and maybe a career out of that. My wife, her father and mother have a number of properties in Houston. And so we've started helping them out more and more in managing those properties. And so Houston's one connection for us, Amsterdam is where we've lived and bought property ourselves. And then now Chicago, our home where we have most of our properties, those three cities together make up third city properties. Ah, I see. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Make a lot more sense. (laughs) You could also say with Chicago being the third largest city, Houston expecting to overtake Chicago in population, not in coolness, but in population. (laughs) But expected is a much different word than uh, has, right? Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I've talked to a few people from Houston just recently, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're the third largest city in the country. Man, not quite yet. still a parking lot with billboards everywhere. (laughs) That's too funny. Um, So in terms of, like, the vision for it, right, what, what I guess, is a long-term play or goal um, as far as the portfolio is concerned, you know, number of cities like do you have kind of a, a an expectation in mind no and that's <laughs> that's the uh, excitement every day of trying to figure that out i uh, when i first got into this five years ago the plan was to try and get to 50 units in mm-hmm. three years gotcha um right now my wife she just left her corporate job and is starting out in real estate with me and working with her family and this is going to be a year where we're going to kind of set the next milestone mm-hmm. um we don't want to just think about it in terms of units. You know, that was a good way to look at, it, I think in the beginning. Um, but we also want to look at it from work life balance yeah. from figuring out, you know, where do we want to be with our lives in five years or 10 years? Uh, we want to continue to grow certainly for the next five years. Uh, but we don't want to be as stressed as we are now, uh, 10, 20 years from now. So we want to try and do the things that position us well for that down the road. I'm also interested in exploring other types of businesses. So we have a couple of commercial spaces in North Austin that at first I was trying to figure out how we would rent them out. And then later on started to talk to a lot of different people in the community, some of our residents in the building and came up with some other kinds of ideas that we might want to open some small businesses there. One being a, a coffee shop and an art gallery and an event space. All in one, right? In one. Yep. And then the next one next to it would be an artist studio, co-working artist studio space also a communal area where you can offer classes. We can imagine artists and residencies coming in there to not only perform or make their art, but also being able to teach classes to kids after school programming or adults or seniors on weekday mornings. Uh, trying to keep both spaces to be very multi-purpose. And I think that's the challenge that we have with a lot of the vacant commercial space. You can't just rely on a single store or a single product as much these days. Yep. So you have to be able to do a lot of different things and think of ways to bring people in, bring people, bring traffic in. Um, and I think this concept might work. We're, we're seeking funding through the Neighborhood Opportunity Fund as part of the Invest Southwest program and hoping to, to get some support to get that off the ground. It's very cool. And, and you're also part of the Austin African-American Networking Association. Triple A BNA, Austin <laughs> African American Business Networking Association. There you go. Yes, I recently joined them. It's a fantastic group and super strong for Austin. They've been working at it for a long time, and they're one of the main drivers of the Austin portion of the Invest Southwest program and the Soul City Corridor on Chicago Avenue in yeah. Austin. 
a lot of great things are happening there. I'm, I'm just trying to learn more about it and see what we might be able to replicate on North Avenue, which is where we're mostly focused. Gotcha. How have you been received in, in the community? I mean, I know that, you know, Austin historically has been one of the more troubled neighborhoods in Chicago as far as, you know, crime and violence. Um, I guess what made you want to, to plunge in there in, in terms of the opportunity? So it, it wasn't such a, a strategy as just how it happened. Oh, no. You know, there, was a, there was a property that we were looking at in North Austin and ended up closing on it in March of 2020, right before COVID <laughs> came to town. Um, and so there I was trying to figure out the community, trying to understand how to work with the tenants in our building. Um, and so it was a learning year and did a lot of research, dug up the quality of life plan um, for Austin which gave a lot of background on where the needs were and where the focus needed to be in the coming years. And, and that formed, you know, helped form some opinions about the kind of work that we're going to do. Um, talking to people, I mean, the AAA BNA network is great because I've been able to meet a lot of different people from different types of businesses through that network. Um, a friend of mine who grew up in the neighborhood, you know, he's taken me around on tours and just kind of showed me different buildings and different challenges that that you know he's more familiar with and things that i wouldn't necessarily pick up on my own just walking around yeah um there is a big opportunity i mean it's it's great to see the city investing a lot in the neighborhood right now um, and you and you're seeing that absolutely that's absolutely that's great to hear <laughs> yeah no it really is it really is and you know i've only been there for a year but the way people talk about um crime you know it's it's trending in the right direction um people just need to be given a chance and um, having this kind of structure for the funding gives people hope, you know, a, a small business owner that wouldn't have been able to get a project off the ground because it was tough to get a loan. Um, and maybe the way they present themselves isn't the way that the, the bank's expecting it to be done. Um, but if you spend a little bit of time and understand what this person is trying to do and support them, then, you know, projects get off the ground. So we're seeing a lot of that right now. And if you look at the Neighborhood Opportunity Fund and the people that have received the grant in the last few years, you know, the real businesses that are, that are getting up and running. So it's, it's exciting. It's exciting. And it's very refreshing too, to hear, you right. know, that, that, yeah, there's a lot of good change coming. And I, and it, it, I think it does start with real estate, you know, where you're investing in a property, right? You're obviously, you have these ideas um, that are new to the area too, right? That they're, 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 they haven't been seen before. And hopefully that, that does lead to, uh, you know, a change in economic disparity. Like it's, 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 it's been bad, right? In the, in those areas. Right. What would you tell, tell people who, may never think to invest in, in those types of communities, right? Where it might be a little higher crime or lower income. What advice would you give, if any, to people um, in, considering investing? I mean, I think talking to people in the neighborhood, um, community groups, uh, businesses, business owners, people that own their own house, people that are renting an apartment, you know, listening to all these different people and hearing that what they would do to get a grocery store nearby or just to have a place to meet up with a friend yeah. or to take a date out. And they're having to go to Oak Park, um, to other neighborhoods of, of Chicago to, to spend their money. And that's not employing people in their neighborhood. And right. so that means there's an opportunity. We just got to come up with the right kinds of businesses. And there are a lot of great ideas coming out of people in Austin on that. So um, the challenge is the financing in a lot of cases. And there's a real opportunity for, for people that, that might have a, an easier go at that to, to partner with people in the community or to invest in people that, that have good ideas that um, are supported by a good business plan, of course. For sure. Now, you've been doing this for five years now, correct? Right. Looking back, you know, when you first started or when you, I guess, made that 
that the decision to, to go all in. You know, what advice would you give yourself um, based on all this experience that you've accumulated over the last five years uh, as you were starting out in this? If there's one thing that like just, if you, you know, what is it? What is it? If, if I knew then what I know now kind of thing. The thing that sticks with me is connecting with other people that are more experienced. You know, to get good at anything, you have to surround yourself with people that are better than you, whether it's a sport or whether it's a, a business. Um, and I, I think I think I did pretty well with that. There are a lot of building owner groups um, in other neighborhoods of the city that I first learned about from my insurance broker. He suggested I go to one of these meetings for the Edgewater Uptown Builders Association. So I went to that in 2017, probably, and met a bunch of people from all professions relating to real estate. I mean, with real estate, you need to have a good attorney, insurance broker, maybe a property manager, maybe your hands-on. You need to be connected with other brokers and understand the market. Um, and you need this team of contractors. And there's so many people that, that you have to rely on because you can't know all of it, especially in the beginning or ever. Um, through that group, I also learned about the Rogers Park Builders Group. And they do a similar function in terms of educating building owners, providing a continuing education, networking opportunities, and also advocacy on behalf of the industry. Um, that eventually led me to creating a neighborhood building owner group in the Northwest side. So I created the Northwest side building coalition in 2019. And we meet every other month and just have different types of topics, whether it's how to secure your building or how to offer different types of amenities to residents or how to manage your utility costs. You know, there are all kinds of things that you have to have to figure out. And it's helpful to help to, to connect with people that have been there before and, and learn their lessons um, and can share that before you make the same kind of mistakes. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Now, was uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad a part of your uh, uh, library when you started out? Because I, I feel like that's one of the more uh, encouraging books as far as to do what you do professionally. I'm actually not familiar with it. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about? Uh, so it's, yeah, it's like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I guess. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't read the whole thing. I just kind of uh, started. <laughs> titles you know, enough. Yeah, titles enough. But it was just uh, the guy advocates for buying real estate as a form of um, sustaining your income, right? To, to leave corporate America and basically live off of your rental income. Right. Yeah. Were there any books for you that I guess stuck stuck out that you'd recommend to others that that you know are nothing? <laughs> Can't so, think one, yeah. so what is it that that motivates? I'm, I'm a people person, so yeah, yeah. it's it's the networking and talking to people through conversations where I, sure. I learn the most. Now, but but what inspired you then to do it? Because it's not. I mean, it had to come from somewhere, right? The idea to do this was it simply that you had done it once and like, hey, I can make some money off this, or I see the potential. Um, did someone kind of turn you on to the idea of it? Like, where did I guess that all start for you mentally? Yeah, I think wanting to be able to control my own schedule, control my own life. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the corporate jobs that I've had in the past, whether you're working 40 to 50 hours a week, someone else is telling me when I need to get on the phone, when I need to show up at a certain place. And, you know, a lot of the time it's fine. I don't, I don't mind, but it's not what I want to do. And it, at the end, it wasn't really the work that I wanted to do either. And so there was not much left connecting me to that. And by starting my own business, you can set your own pace. You can be super ambitious and growth oriented, but you can also step back and maybe you got a healthcare situation you got to take care of in the family or 
parent that's that's sick and you need to just take a break for a while you know you can more easily arrange things around that and that's that was super attractive for me absolutely freedom i mean right. there's no greater feeling right right um now in, in terms of it seems like you you see an opportunity and, and when it presents itself you, you you jump on it or you evaluate it and then make that decision but you brought up having these other businesses where on one perspective you have kind of a vision for what you hope to see in this space like in the Austin neighborhood with a coffee shop and event space you know art space um do, do you have ambitions to be in business beyond just real estate with you know like something totally different that maybe you occupy the real estate that you own I'm interested in it and that's why I'd like to try out these these first concepts in, in North Austin and see how that goes um one of the things that if I were to look back, maybe I should have told myself earlier on is that once you become a landlord, you do get more freedom, but you also have a 24 seven job. <laughs> and so you don't have total freedom by any means. Um, and I, I think a small business is exactly that too. I mean, as long as it's open, yeah. you got to be there, make sure it's working and operating in the best possible way. Um, and so it, it introduces a lot of headaches. So I'm, I'm, I'm especially interested in partnering with people that have that experience that have been running a coffee shop for many years. They know the, the pitfalls and the things to watch out for. They know how to hire people that are going to be great with customers, but also make sure they're doing things that they need to do. Um, so, you know, if, if the first experience goes well, then I'd certainly be interested in growing in that direction as well. Yeah. Um, but it's not a, it's not part of a grand strategy at this point. <laughs> You know, and, and you brought up that, you know, just managing the property and the first one going well. Um, actually, I have an uncle who, when he moved out of his his, his, his house, um, he kept it. And it was a uh, well, a duplex that he, he rented out both spaces. And it just seemed like it was a nightmare because, you know, getting calls all the time and he having to go there. and But he took on all that responsibility of, you know, cutting the grass, you know, maintenance, you know, all of it, right? All of the above. He was that property manager. And I just think it consumed him that it he wasn't making any money off of his time, right? right. What is it that you did that, you know, maybe for, for others that have tried and are like, hey, this is just too much. You know, is it, was it just, that you, you know, kind of hands off in terms of the handyman part? Like what, what was it that helped you succeed beyond just being across the street from, you know, your first property? I mean, I think going all in with your, not only your money, but your time is so important. And just probably setting your expectations early on that, this is going to be all-consuming, especially in the beginning, but it's an investment, yeah. and so it'll pay back later on, and not shying away from the difficult things. So if plumbing's not your strong suit, you might need to take a plumbing 101 kind of class and you know start trying to get the terminology down. You're going to need to know how to hire a plumber to do different types of jobs and not overspend, Yeah. and so you have to get more experienced with it. You know, If you have a partner, that's great to be able to rely on them if they have that expertise, but I think a lot of people that have had partners have had a lot of bad experiences. And so as much as you can do to take it on on your own, you're probably better off. Interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely have heard of a lot of, uh, you know, flip partnerships that people go into and <clears throat> sometimes they're a nightmare, right? And they just can't wait to get out. But at least mm -hmm. from that perspective, it's transactional, right? The idea is to flip it and sell it. Right. But when you're a landlord, I mean, you're in there for the long haul. Yeah, I think partnership I think the one most important aspect of that for me is it's got to be somebody that you really know and ideally have a long-term relationship with. They need to know when times are tough, how you're going to react and vice versa. Um, we have two primary business partners and one is my father-in-law and one is a very long time friend. 
and we know how to work together. We also understand each other's weaknesses as well as strengths, and that allows us to get through difficult decisions. Um, but I think if if you have a, a beer with somebody and come up with a great idea of how this hot new neighborhood is a great investment and just plunge right in, then I think that is likely to not turn out so well. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So these partners that, that you've taken on, your, your um, longtime friend and father-in-law, are they more silent partners as far as just being financial contributors? That's right. That's, That's cool. Right. And, and is that something that you, you couldn't have done on your own in terms of the, the I guess, your growth, right? Yeah, no, it, it definitely helped help us grow more quickly. So we, my wife and I, we bought the first two properties ourselves and hadn't spoken with anybody about partnering at mm-hmm. that point. And I always wanted to make sure that I knew what I was doing before I started seeking a partner. Um, that first experience, you know, I figured a lot of things out and got to know at least one part of Chicago. And then uh, my friend came in and we, we partnered 50-50 on a couple of buildings and that seemed to go well. And then my father-in-law came in, and we've been doing thirds for the last nine or ten investments. Oh wow! And we meet a couple times a year, and over the phone when needed to, and it's uh, it's, it's become a very strong partnership. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. And obviously, they're excited about what you're doing. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, it's a, you're, you're doing a lot. It's uh, I mean, you really went for it, and and you know, I commend you for it because it's it's a huge undertaking, and I think you've done a very very good job with it, and you know just. The wisdom that you're bringing here, I think that for people listening, uh, I, I, ho- I really hope that, that you know, are encouraged by this because, one, there is a housing problem, right, that, that mm-hmm. we're all facing here in Chicago. Um, and just because you may have a home doesn't mean you're not affected di- uh, directly by it on some level um, in, in terms of your community. So you know, what would what advice would you give people who are listening who they're, they're excited? I mean, they're, they're obviously listening because real estate, right? It's, it's exciting. There's there's that. It's it's sexy, right, to, to mm-hmm. own real estate. and. I think people just have that kind of like hesitation. What would you tell them to encourage them to, to at least make that first step? I mean, I think what your uncle did is actually what I would start. I mean, I, I think uh, house hacking, you know, buying a two flat, three flat, four flat and living in one unit, you know, you get to be a landlord from the inside. You get to deal with all the different aspects and start to learn how to manage your insurance bills, your utility bills, finding tenants, um, dealing with the lease and issues that pop up, you know, it's, it's a great first taste of it to see if it's something you want to do on a bigger scale. And you can do that while maintaining a regular job too. So I think dipping your toes in the water, making sure it's right for you. It's mm. not for everybody. Um, is, is definitely a good start. Absolutely. Well, wise words from wise man. <laughs> um, I really appreciate you, John, coming in, sharing your expertise. Uh, there's, I'm sure a lot more, a lot more to come. I hope so. Thank you very much.